Hello, folks. We return back from the dead. Reports of our death have been greatly exaggerated. I This episode was recorded in late November, and we were going to do like probably two episodes after that that either got rescheduled or canceled just due to schedule conflicts and a bunch of other things. And I had stuff going on in my life, so finally... We're trying to get back on track here and trying to get back on a regular schedule. Don't want to promise anything, especially because I'm going to the West Coast in a month and a half. However, we're going to try to be a little bit more consistent with schedule. And yeah, I'm sorry that we didn't get, we weren't able to do a holiday episode. I wanted to do it, but it just wasn't in the cards this year. But maybe we can fold some of that stuff into a holiday episode for next year. So before we begin, once again, our sponsor is Imitone. The tagline is Mind to Melody. You can play any instrument with your voice. Explore and create music with only a microphone. Simply sing or whistle to control any music software as if you are playing the notes by hand. It's intuitive, it's instant, and expressive, according to the website. However, I have messed with Imitone, and it is quite fun. So, yes, check it out. There's an offer for listeners of this podcast that is still valid. The standard edition, uh, is five, you can get it $5 off, and the studio edition, you can get it $10 off, so definitely check it out, and let's move on with the show. Welcome to the Kitchfork Media Podcast. I'm your host, Max Cohen. And I am your other co-host, Liz Ryerson. And today we are talking about the industrial hip-hop classic by Dialect from the filthy tongues of gods and griots, uh, several words of which I believe were mispronounced by me last time. <laughs> it's uh, right. But in my defense, we'll, we'll get into it. In my defense... There is a song on this album where people keep saying dialect over and over again, and I always thought it was a joke, and that it was pronounced the normal way. So, uh, that's on me. Turns out, (laughs) it was not a joke. Not a joke. Very literal. That's how you pronounce it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I'm I'm actually curious. I have basically no background with this artist of this album, so doing research for this has been really interesting and fascinating. And I will say how I feel about this artist in a second. Sure. Um, but I'm curious to know what your background is, because I remember when we were talking about Black Alicious and we were looking through the Pitchfork's like best 50 albums of 2002, you know, that's like near the top of that list. I think it's number 49. And you just offhandedly mentioned that album. And I'd never heard of it. So I'm curious what your background is. Yeah. So the funny thing is, so that album was like 2002. And it always I always have to remember that because I didn't 
hear it until maybe like 2010. Oh, okay. Like my friend Reed, who was um, really, so I've always been really into like industrial music, but like my only exposure to industrial hip hop was like maybe Public Enemy. And my friend Reed in, in undergrad and college got me into uh, a bunch of this stuff, like, you know, ex-military by Death Grips and um, an album whose name I, I can't say, but it's from a band who would go on to become the disposable heroes of hypocrisy, who do a great cover of uh, California Uber Allies. And then he played me this, which is like, was one of my favorites of the thing. And I really love it. So we've talked, we talked about this a bit on the Black Alicious album, but like, and it's also a constant theme here, but like, even as much as I love hip hop, I'm not really a lyrics person. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um so a lot of what i love in in hip-hop is just like production is like really intricate interesting production it's why i love you know the aforementioned public enemy as much as i do and it's why like i still am such a huge fan of dialect and this album because it's such an kind of internal revolution on what kind of sounds could be employed rhythmically in this way you know industrial is a lot about like turning chopping up music concrete and like synth wave into a sort of dance song. Um, and dialect is sort of taking a similar vibe, you know, it's sim similar kind of sample source of just like noises and um, weird synths and like sort of horror movie soundtracks and John Carpenterisms and just like kind of chopping that up into stuff that for me, like, like that really works as a hip hop song. And to me, like punctuates a lot of this sort of, aggro style like best you know it feels like in the way that a lot of my favorite like rappers are very percussive i feel like dialect is a very percussive rapper who also gets the production to really work with him mm -hmm. so this has like been a for a long time it's like oh why isn't more hip-hop like this and then of course we've gotten like you know death grips and oh and yeah in the 2010s in general like it got uh... Huge yeah. and huge and huge, and we've gotten like yeah. Death, I mean, death, we had we had Jesus, we had Jesus, sure, but we also got like clipping and backwash yeah. and like a bunch of like really innovative people who are still working. JPEG Mafia. Yeah, yeah, I guess that counts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just things that are at least, if not directly, kind of overlapping with it. At least uh, have more interest in like experimenting sonically than you know was the norm for like really pushing past the idea of like a couple of jazz samples or something and divine styler is a really good example of this too and I, I really like this it's funny that i've never really pushed further into their discography i didn't even know how in depth it was until i started researching this yes for once we are talking about somebody who is still alive mm -hmm. and still performing uh because i felt a little bad that i didn't want it to feel like the only reason we were talking about black Alicious is because of gift of gab passing away but yes dialect is still active although there's been definitely turnover in uh the group members so the main person in dialect is will brooks uh aka dialect so it's like van halen they just named Right. He's named the group after their lead guy. So, yeah, and he's from uh, Newark, New Jersey, which, you know, if you are from New York or whatever, Newark is basically like New York West. You know, it's it's right across the river from uh, from New York. So it's kind of in the area of New York. And he had apparently like a lot of older cousins who were very into hip hop back from back in the day, like the 80s. And that's how he got into it. So he's kind of been around it from the beginning which i think is kind of the interesting thing is 
his background seems to be almost very traditionalist in some ways in the way that he sort of views hip hop and what it is and you know it's it's social purpose and all that kind of stuff but that mixes with the you know very idiosyncratic very different approach i i just think it's interesting you know versus something like death grips now which is not really in dialogue with traditional hip hop at all like right. it doesn't really consider itself it's kind of very very lyrical and very abstract and it doesn't really have that style of delivery or like thinking about itself whereas like i think that will brooks is somebody who ve who very much views himself like in the tradition of a lot of artists that he was exposed to that he grew up around uh he's mentioned krs1 as being a big influence and also uh public enemy but also, you know, he absorbed just a bunch of different kinds of music. So he said, uh, as big of an influence on dialect are actually My Bloody Valentine yep. uh, is one group that kept coming up over and over again. And he mentioned Velvet Underground, Faust. Eisterchen de Neubauten. <laughs> yeah. There's even a verse in this album where he mentions Faust. He name checks Faust. And Steve Reich. <laughs> Oh, I missed that one. Okay. Yeah, it's it's on um oh uh god. Hold hold tight, I think when he's talking about like I, okay. I prefer to I re prefer to recite prose over Reich. <laughs> so that I mean that that tells you there's a really interesting combo of like traditionalist and someone who's a really a sonic experimenter. So yeah, he grew up in in Jersey. He ended up going to college, and in college, like he met uh, his eventual collaborator Octopus, uh, also known as Elap Momen, who was with the group in this period up until they kind of broke up originally or went on hiatus originally in 2011, and I don't think uh, came back after that. But also, uh, Joshua Booth was another person who's uh, somebody he met in college. And he decided, basically, and I'm I'm getting this, by the way, all from an interview from this YouTube channel called Saint Vitius Presents. Somebody with a YouTube channel just decided to interview a bunch of musicians over the pandemic, and it's kind of like sad because like all of these videos, like he interviewed Jamie Stewart and like a bunch of other. Um, I think there's more than one people on this, but it's like the Wikipedia article literally cites this interview that has only 56 views. Oh, wow. For like biography information. So I'm really happy that people are doing this because this is how I got a lot of information directly from Will Brooks in this interview. Yeah. That only happened like two years ago during the pandemic. But yeah, he said he decided to just use some scholarship money that he had gotten to buy an MPC 3000. So if uh, an MPC or a 3000 or an Akai MPC is like a famous sort of piece of equipment. It was used by DJ Shadow for introducing, famously used by Jay Dilla uh, mm -hmm. whenever we eventually talk about Donuts, one of my favorite albums of the 2000s. Probably fairly soon, right? <laughs> yeah, well, who knows? We, we might jump around in time, but... Yeah, it was introduced in the late 80s and sort of became absorbed. It's like a it's a little sampler. It's sort of like a version of, you know, if you've ever seen those like Novation launch pad things right. that go that are paired with Ableton or I think I have actually an MPC like a, a later version, one of the one of the big ones. Yeah. Um it's it's a bunch of rubber pads and a little LCD screen to uh Yeah. manage a little samples. 
<laughs> yeah, this is pre-software. So, um, but yeah, the MPC was used for a lot of stuff, I assume, on this album. And so, yeah, then he got started in the late 80s. They had their first album. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's called Negro Necro Necros. Yep. Yeah, and it was released on a, I think, like a DIY label. It was actually uh, reviewed by Pitchfork back in the day. But like while he was performing, and, and I think on stage, mostly it was just Octopus and maybe Joshua Booth or this guy still, whose name is Shi uh, Chang Lin. I think that's how you pronounce it. And just performing like with that setup on stage, they didn't, you know, as much as this group relies on guitars, like they don't perform with them. It's like all used as kind of raw sampling material. Yeah, the guitars tend to be really like mangled and looped in like interesting ways. Yeah, which he says in, um, or he was talking about like the making of, uh, I guess their next album after this absence, but I assume it applies to this one. He said he would just beat up the guitar, or I think Mike Matisa, who is another member, would just like, you know, noodle around a guitar with like delay pedals, or like he would beat up a guitar and then they would just like jam and then they would end up using those as like raw material. So I think they made a lot of the samples themselves, but they also sampled from other stuff because they're not like particularly a super well-known group it's like hard to find any information on most of the things that they might have sampled so yeah so they they started performing more and that's how they became acquainted with mike Patton, who was a huge fan and eventually was like uh can i put your guys stuff out and so they this is their first album uh from filthy tongue of gods and griots was their first album on ipecac recordings which was mike Patton's label mm -hmm. they opened for one of his bands and he said his experience with mike Patton and greg workman who was the other member of ipecac recordings was generally very positive and they kind of owe their career to that so uh, yeah, and then they started getting more buzz all, along with a lot of other groups. Another group he mentioned that they collaborated with, who I'd never heard of, but I, I think was kind of big at the time, were called Techno Animals, mm -hmm. who are doing stuff in a similar vein. And there were a few other sort of underground hip-hop groups like this, but, I mean, if you didn't know who any of these artists were at the time, I mean, it's it's not... Like a lot of people who are into this kind of music now don't know these artists at all or only discover them much later. So I think that's the interesting thing. Even though it was got reviewed by Pitchfork, it's they're still not really super well known in the general. Yeah, it, it's really funny that like when it popped up on that Pitchfork list, because again, I, I heard about it from a friend who was like, I considered as being really into weird underground music. I was reading Pitchfork at the time and I just don't remember seeing it. Or, you know, maybe I was like, in a different headspace and glossed over it but i mean it's right at the bottom of one of their list and it was in 2002 right. i think it's the only one of their albums that ever appeared on like a best of the year list so which sucks because yeah because because of this i started like listening to their other albums and like absence is a fucking great album too <laughs> i need to listen to more of their other stuff too it's good I mean, from looking at their music videos and other stuff that they put out since then, it's it's all in the kind of vein that you'd expect. It's it's pretty experimental. There's definitely a lot of overlap with groups like Clipping or or Death Grips or you know or Backwash. Well, I will continue to stand because she just put a new album out. <laughs> Backwash. Yeah, Back X Wash. Okay, I I have heard of that artist. I haven't really listened to her stuff. It's but... it's great. It's really good. 
But yeah, this stuff has become these kind of uh, sounds, these timbres have become more kind of acceptable in hip hop music. But apparently at the time, they, they had a lot of people who were like, oh, this isn't real hip hop because there wasn't like, even though there was like kind of a exploding underground hip hop artists like there wasn't really a scene or network of this that was like formally established at all so they would often tour with uh you know uh, industrial bands things like i don't know dillinger escape plan or Godflesh or the melvins or tool or there's just a bunch of different bands and uh, of different genres i mean they were on ipecac which if you know mike Patton's musical output right mr bungle and faith no more and all that like uh, it's generally experimental and I think that actually is appropriate because that kind of mishmash of different genres is very much kind of the MO of dialect but the other interesting thing about it is they are kind of traditionalists I mean the name dialect comes from yeah the word dialect it has nothing to do with Doctor Who apparently yeah which I I was confused about I was all, like I it's been 12 years now and this is the researching this is the first time I realized that <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't know. I wouldn't normally, like, go to huge lengths to try to research some of this stuff outside of having a podcast for it. So it's it's actually quite interesting to to do that, especially for some of these artists that have less about them. It's like one thing to read a book about fucking Wilco right. and have an entire documentary about one album that we're talking about. It's another thing to, like, you know, just be watching youtube interviews with 50 views and using that as your primary source of information so yeah but i'm i mean i'm very grateful for that at the same time that it exists yeah i i'd never heard of this group i was really into this album i think the interesting thing for me is like again the more like traditional hip-hop kind of aspects of this album are probably my least favorite parts of it I mean, I think he's a good lyricist and yeah. his lyrics are very abstract, but it is kind of in the uh, conscious rap kind of spiritualist uh, tradition. It is, although I, one of the things I like about Dialect, because I don't really love, I don't like KRS-One for one thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember that you said you didn't like KRS-One. <laughs> um, but I like that Dialect is a lot more imagistic mm-hmm. with his lyrics. Like there's a certain like kind of atmosphere setting um, and a lot of this work that so it's not just like you know statements about how cool his music taste is or you know conscious rap or whatever it there's also like these really like impressive like twisted images in between that as sort of like connective tissue like what would be filler lines in like a black delicious song like a lyrical miracle thing mm-hmm. usually in a dialect song is like some kind of like mildly surrealist or apocalyptic scene setting which i've always really loved and and also part of it is because the music takes so much of the the real estate of of the audio. Right. Like I never perceive the verses to be trying to do a lyrical miracle thing at all. Because I I guess part of that cliche comes from people trying to create all of the imagery from the words and their methods of delivery and right. uh that's definitely not the case here because the sonic like elements are so you know in the forefront of everything yeah which is it's just interesting because you know if you listen to an artist like like death grips again uh, another example is like they're not traditionalists in any sense of the word in that like uh, mc rides versus they don't have anything to do with like i mean if they have to do with like calling back to tradition it's like 
Charles Manson or the, no, you know, it, it's like MC Wright always to me felt closer to like like old industrial singers who were just kind of yelling about weird shit. <laughs> yeah, like cults and stuff. Yeah. Like whereas whereas and and maybe this is an East Coast thing because he's from, you know, he he kind of grew up around more traditional hip hop. His thing is very much like, no, what we're doing is actually traditional hip hop. Like this is actually what hip hop is in its purest form, which is really interesting. But it's also like it has that relationship with trying to kind of, you know, assert itself as part of that that world and part of that canon while also being very different. And I think part of that just comes to like the relationship of how people you know, talked about hip hop or, you know, like we'll say genre policing about that kind of thing. Right. Like, oh, if you don't sound like that, you know, how people used to be with rock music. And I just don't really think it's that way anymore. I mean, it, it's one of those things of like the, the line from um, Q-Tip, the uh, rap is not pop. If you call it that, then stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that was very much, that's like his attitude that he even has like kind of a, a little like mini rant at the end of one of the songs where he's like, hip hop is not about getting dollars or getting on MTV, etc. Right. And it's like, I, I totally understand that, but like, for someone who's growing up now, they just don't have that relate because hip hop has just become absorbed into pop music. And, yeah. you know, those things have become so melded together that I don't think those distinctions, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they still exist for a lot of people, but they don't exist nearly as much for like younger people in particular. I mean, it's, it's part of the general like genre-lessness. Like there's still like quote unquote underground or indie or, or abstract weird hip hop out there, but it's like, you know, it's it's the same thing as like kind of indie rock these days where it's like, you know, rock is still part of pop and the distinctions are very blurry. Yeah. And there's less people being like, oh, this isn't real hip hop. Yeah. Cred is less important these days. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is probably good. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's great. I, I can tell you, like, you know, get hear it from Kitchfork first. We were there. Cred sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah cred makes people assholes yeah so this album actually which by the way i must say this is kind of an iconic album cover it, it makes me think of like the classic um king crimson cover the, <laughs> in the court of the crimson king yeah no. it's a little more like it's not quite as terrifying as that but similar but it's a little terrifying i so all of their album covers or at least up to like gutter tactics really have like a mid 80s industrial like a skinny puppy album kind of vibe where it's these like kind of abstract paintings with like that are somewhat unsettling <laughs> so, yeah somebody in the youtube comments for this uh compared it to throbbing gristles uh 20 yeah. jazz funk greats the album cover <laughs> i think that one is more convincing but <laughs> but i get it <laughs> i mean that one is yeah. is, is deliberately funny yeah, because this one is a little bit m menacing, even though it's a picture of a child. It's a picture of a child with very weird teeth. Yeah, and the, the hands are, are weird. Yeah. There's a little bit of a, a Boards of Canada thing, actually, come to think of it. With the, Oh, with yeah. I can see that. The children, like, holding, you know. I just mentioned that because also, speaking of this, there was actually a like retrospective article not in stereo gum but in pop matters about this album 
and they were talking about it kind of in the context of it being a post 9-11 album because some of the lyrics are directly you know he talks about religious fundamentalism and um Mm -hmm. stuff like that like there's a there's an element of that because i know that there's an element of dialect that is very much kind of in the sort of public enemy tradition but I just find that interesting because, you know, something that we talked about for this podcast is how a lot of post 9-11 albums just didn't sound like post 9-11 at all. Right. Like There were very few that did. But the two that we've done, because we, you know, mostly covered 2002, that have actually felt like actual post 9-11 albums are probably this one and the Boards of Canada album. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, unless you're one of those people who like listens to Ashes of American Flags and like you know salutes the ghost of america yeah but. <laughs> but it's not but that was written before and it's not really no like, absolutely. absolutely i don't know i mean it but that's just the interesting thing is because like if you were following mainstream music in 2002 2003 like the winds really shifted to something else so it's been interesting to like come back to some of the stuff and realize that there were people actually like responding to this stuff. It was just so much in the background. It was very, it was very rarely like popular <laughs> music, right? Outside of like yeah. rock against Bush, you know, like. Yeah, well, and that was a few years later, but even that, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, no, I, there's nothing like around that time, I feel like very little music felt like distinctly post 9-11 like when i think of that stuff i usually think of like a few years later stuff like you know scott walker's Dri- the drift or something like there's a or i think of kid a which came out before or kid a which came out like that's the thing is like people were depressed before that happened and after that happened like i i think the interesting thing actually about thinking like culturally about 9-11 is it, it almost feels like willed into existence by a lot of the culture that was like immediately before <laughs> Ooh, is this our new conspiracy th- is this our new trutherism <laughs> is that art willed it into existence it's the secret i, I well it's not that much of a a, a crazy thing because the world trade center was actually attacked in the 90s but and there was like the I mean, there was the Y2K fear, but there was also the uh, the Seattle like protests, the WTO protests in Seattle, which was kind of like an early form of <laughs> what we've spent the last 10 years, you know, experiencing as a culture and world. But yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting to, to think about in that context, because like I said, like one of the things about this whole that always baffled me as as, you know, a teen or tween i guess i was getting into teen years at that point was that there was so little that felt like it reflected it and how everyone it felt like everyone wanted to so much of the culture was around people kind of wanting to forget what was happening Mm -hmm. yeah yeah escapism seems like it was the thing that really took hold of that era but that's not really the case with dialect no man this shit's this shit is is dark and aggressive and a wonderful i love this album so much <laughs> so just to read a bit from the this is just a, a like two sentence summary from the little blurb that on its pitchfork it says phil Spector's wall of sound was never this thick or intimidating dialect's music is intense literate often abrasive a challenging entry into an increasingly impressive underground hip-hop canon and then it talks about uh, some of the tracks uh so pitchfork gave this a good review and it ended up on their best albums list. Uh, this was a year before Best New Music. Who knows? It might have helped them to 
have that boost, but they seem to have been at least able to continue touring and playing shows. Apparently, they do a lot of shows in Europe too, so maybe they have a, a uh, yeah big European following. I mean, they've been you know they they're still active. They've been doing this for over twenty years. Yeah, they collaborated with Techno Animal, which is a uh, from the UK. I think they're from the UK. So the amount of artists that they kind of uh, have collaborated with and kind of aligned themselves with have been kind of all over the map. So, so yeah, uh, I think that's part of the reason that they've been, you know, able to continue to survive and thrive and, you know, still make the same kind of music that they do, which is nice. I don't know. So many people who are, who have had to kind of quit or tapered off over the last many years because of just the general depressing state of the music industry so <laughs> right yeah so this review is written by david m pecoraro and it's once again uh i had to look at archive.org to actually find the name of the author of this piece <laughs> because pitchfork removed it god, god bless you for keeping the, the names of these writers <laughs> in, in the headspace in the news preserving history one episode at a time I know it's so I mean as much as we like make fun of some of these early reviews like we at least should, should know the names of the people who wrote them yes. it's kind of baffling to me that they're still up and if for no other reason than to hold them accountable <laughs> exactly so this is a terrible first sentence uh I don't know if you here I'll link you to the just so you can see what I'm talking about this review is actually not too bad but the first sentence is awful <laughs> I'll just read it. Yeah. This avant-garde hip-hop stuff is spreading faster than anti-Arab sentiment on September 12th. Woo-wee! <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a... Uh, somebody is very edgy. Yeah. When he says, uh, you know the stuff of which I speak hip-hop built from samples harder to grasp than a wall of jello, uh, whose time signatures change faster than a 15-year-old girl's fashion sense? Uh all strung around, beats dirtier than the old man asleep at the bus stop. Oh, classic pitchfork imagery right there. Yeah. It's funny because the rest of this review doesn't do as much of that, but they just got to no, get it No, but you know, you, you, you know what they say. You got to hook them with, that, with those first couple of lines. Yeah, sure do, I guess. <laughs> Innovators like Cloud Dead LP. It's interesting how much LP has continued to be in the the popular consciousness. Really, I mean, Run the Jewels really did a lot for that guy's career. Yeah. I didn't realize how much he was a figure in this whole era. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been a since like, you know, 19 like 99, he's been huge. <laughs> mhm. Um and the Anticon crew have been uh redefining what hip hop is for years now. We'll talk about Anticon at some point. We we definitely will, yeah. So it's nice that people are finally starting to take notice. If you've been paying any attention, you know what's bound to happen next. The market will glut and innovation will make way for imitation. Not really sure that that happened in the genre. If it did, it, you know, it took in, when it, it was when Yeezy came out. So it took a while. Yeah, it's yeah. If it did, it's when. Yeah. But first, Dialect returns to the scene, fresh off collaborations with Faust, Techno Animal, and Kid 606, with a sophomore album inventive enough to extend avant-garde hip-hop stay in the limelight for, at the very least, a few more weeks. So what is it that makes Dialect, alongside producer Octopus and turntablist-slash-producer Still, stand out amongst a seeming onslaught of original and challenging hip-hop, namely that their songs are set to moody music concrete backdrops that sound like something out of a david lynch nightmare yes there are rhymes 
set to hand drums and cowbells. Yes, the lyrical content would feel more at home in a lit hall than some trash-ridden alley. Yes, there are times when Dalek opts to speak his vocals rather than rap them. And yes, he's more sensitive than your average bear. But what really separates Dalek from the rest isn't his rabid experimentation as much as the way he builds a bridge between the avant-garde and traditional. So that kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Like he, if you listen to any interviews with him, he's he's very much a you know East Coast traditionalist hip hop guy. Right. But yeah, and it you know it makes comparisons to Psychic TV and Nursed with Wound, uh, but also Public Enemy. So yeah, uh, let's just read. Uh, As an MC, Dialect shows off a rare versatility, equally capable of straight rhyming and formless spoken word. As a poet, Dialect has a grasp on subtlety that most will never approach. And as a collective, Dialect have achieved the seemingly impossible, successfully bridging the conventional and the experimental in a way that respects both at once. It's a risky endeavor, one that threatens to alienate fans of both dis- disciplines, but it's the very risk that makes Dialect's music so very effective. But yeah, so, you know, like, I I think a lot of their fans were people who were more into, like, industrial or or just into, like, you know, a general mix of different genres more than they were definitely appealed to traditionalists. There's also the source, though, which is, you know, Pitchfork is going to definitely approach it from that angle, especially in 2002. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, I mean, this is the era of the music nerd and, you know referencing something right. like throbbing gristle always makes you cool in the realm of pitch not just throbbing gristle but but the lesser known side project psychic tv <laughs> so yes well yeah and nurse with wound i guess the the the, the group that everyone talks about but no one listens to <laughs> i i i had a phase but yeah you know it's not you don't listen to nurse with wound to have fun it's not, <laughs> no it's not good party music well, speaking of not having fun, <laughs> this is not a pop album. No, um, although I don't know if this is unique to me. There are definitely like some noise patterns that are really catchy to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are elements of it that are catchy, but if you're comparing it to an artist like Death Grips or, oh, yeah. you know, like a, a lot of more recent artists that have these kind of uh elements uh, to them sonically are more sort of in dialogue with pop music i mean that's kind of the reason why De- death grips has kind of this reputation as being like baby's first experimental music to a lot of people right uh, they're when- definitely songier about it you know <laughs> yeah there's like uh clear hooks like the tracks are shorter uh there's less of a kind of a meandering quality and i mean i also think this is very purposefully structured as an album yes it reminds me actually it is weird that this album makes me think so much of like olivia tremor control like elephant six kind of stuff yeah okay specifically because like you know the two big olivia tremor control albums i think they released a third one or something but i'm talking about uh dusk at cuba's castle and black foliage they both have a big instrumental kind of experimental section in the middle of them mm-hmm and uh, and it goes on for a really long time and as a kid I'd always skip them but you know as an adult like I really appreciate those 
And a lot of those were more ambient or music concrete. In this one, it's more of a distorted, like, you know, nurse with wound. I, I don't know. You know, it. Uh, I was going to say, it reminds the, we're, we're talking and we'll get there when we get there uh, about like Black Smoke Rises, but yeah, it reminds me a lot of something like, um, oh, Frankie Teardrop by Suicide or like Heaven Don't Want Me and Hell's Afraid of Me by um, Divine Styler, which are just these like meditations on a theme that like kind of swell and recede and explode. Like the bed of it is is very like musique concrete like in a very literal sense like and a, a lot of people i think say that just when they hear noises um, yeah black smoke rises is absolutely music concrete in a very in a very specific sense that of that genre name but it's sort of hypnotic <laughs> yeah definitely but that kind of huge instrumental you know because it takes up so, so much time it kind of redefines the album around, around it. it yeah for sure and so it does end up feeling like kind of its own experience. And there are some kind of more psychedelic elements to this album that, again, remind me of those Olivia Tremor Control albums and how much they try to see, seem like a journey or a drug trip or whatever you want to, you know, say. At some point, I don't know when we would ever do this, but at some point, hearing you talk about this, we absolutely have to do um, Spiral Walls Containing Autumns of Light by Divine Styler, which is like to me always had that kind of Olivia Tremor control vibe of kind of like darkly psychedelic almost aimless music yeah that's that's interesting I've never heard of that album but I'd be curious to to check one it of these out. days one of these days we'll find a way it does make me think of also the of Montreal album my favorite of Montreal album that never gets uh it's due uh paralytic stocks from 2011 which just uh, of is is an album that like has pop songs on it, but eventually just descends into noise. Uh, yeah, like as it goes on. It I'll, becomes... I'll be honest, I did not keep up with the band that long. <laughs> oh, that that album is like a hundred percent worth checking out. It's kind of d- unlike the other of Montreal albums. But yeah, so needless to say, like I I don't think you can approach it like a pop album. And when we're when I was listening to this like to to kind of prepare for this episode just trying to kind of peek in and listen to one song at a time didn't really work like i really had to listen to the whole thing because you know if you just hear one song it's just kind of like okay it's distorted noises and it's very repetitive and like i feel like you need the whole arc of the album to really get it or at least that's that's how i felt it feels more of a contiguous even though it's a long album it feels more of a contiguous album to me than like the black alicious album for example i would agree with that for sure there's a much more consistent mood i i would i would argue there's definitely like to me songs here that stand out on their own i i think spiritual healing works regardless um mm-hmm. and same with like hold tight has some synth work that feels really really that i think would work on its own but i do think that in general their albums and w- this is true of a lot of like of the best industrial albums do like you know like last rites or whatever like work best as sort of an extended mood to revel in rather than like 12 inch singles mm-hmm. absolutely and like i, and I do think you know, um, while there's the stuff in the back half of the album I don't love as much, I think this album is paced really well. Yeah, I think I said, I don't know if I said this before recording or while we were recording, but I actually prefer the the, the back half of the album. So that'll be interesting to talk about. <laughs> um, but yeah, the first song, Spiritual Healing. So this is by far their most well-known song on Spotify. I guess that makes sense that it's like the first song on their on their album that's probably the most popular. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to decide like 
a lot of people will try out an album and listen to the first track and then stop. So there's like, yeah, there's that element to it. Which is always a bummer to me if, you know, like on Bandcamp, I put my album up and it's like obvious that people are just listening to the first two tracks or whatever. Yep. <laughs> but it just happens. Um, so this is a, a little bit more, this is one of the most straightforward tracks actually on the album. Yeah, it's it's really, it's very upfront about what it is. It is maybe the most like upfront with its harsh noise element. Like it's just this like manipulated squeal that I really love. <laughs> Yeah, when he says who you who you pray to, my God, the black God, who you pray to, my God, the brown God, who you play to, my God, the white God, your reaction's kind of odd for a kid who loves to nod. Right. Uh, I maybe that's the kid on the album cover. Absolutely, I I believe this now. Yep. Um, <laughs> I but yeah, there's a there's like a there's like a and then a, then like a it's kind of like a um you know it's kind of like a Yeezus-y uh, <laughs> or death gripsy sample actually it feels like a circular saw or something you know who you wait to my god the black god who you wait to my god the brown god who you wait to my god the white god your reaction's kind of odd for a kid who must have lied who you wait to my god the black god who you wait to my god the brown god who you wait to my god the white god your reaction's kind of odd for a kid who must have lied with a skin like Jesus sick of all some creatures concerned with the void of fetus don't give a fuck fetus speak so tedious yeah, it, it, it the, the 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 Kanye West song feedback, you know, the kind of like that type of sample. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it also like it comes from a very like like an early '90s version of industrial, where it was less synth focused and more about kind of what weird noises you could put on a loop. Yeah, it's less melodic and more just noise. But I love that. Like, I think I think it's very well curated noise. It's very well like. Um, well placed throughout the song and it's effective and under it there is this sort of like haunted like low pass filtered vinyl crackle sample that that underpins the whole thing yeah it's like a piano they do have like some like old hollywood movie kind of sounding samples like throughout the album that are just kind of in the background that every once in a while like you hear in the foreground yeah absolutely there's a lot of um there's this producer like nowadays, uh, Kenny Seagal, who I feel like does production like this a lot too. So a another another trend that has been picked up on. But yeah, it almost feels like a like an old seventy eight they picked up and are playing like too slow and through a bad filter. At the end, also we have like a a drum track that just seems like uh, time stretched mm -hmm. and like kind of played very very slowly, which they do a lot of that kind of stuff too. There's like a lot of like extended outros well th where they'll like stretch either the sample or like the drums and just kind of you know let it sort of ride on that for a while throughout the album but yeah the the verse is really i mean it's it's pretty straightforward it's it's talking about religious fundamentalists and like right he's i wear skin like jesus sick of bullshit preachers concerned with aborted fetus uh, but don't give a fuck who feeds us. Well, uh, thankfully, that's no longer relevant. Um, <laughs> you know, no one's no one's talking about that anymore. This also has some of my favorite, like, just weird, violent imagery from him, like the idea of mixed with blood from split tongue, collapsed lung, only help to breathe diseased atmosphere. Which again is just connecting the the ideas of like I retain tact and spit the fear fact, and don't expect me to adhere to your bullshit code of silence. But like 
the fact that the connective tissue is that visceral is something that I always really loved about dialogue as a lyricist. Mm -hmm. It is more, it is kind of like Old Testament. (laughs) You know, fire and brimstone. For sure. (laughs) I mean, it's a little bit like of a spiritualist side of that. But he's talking about... um, your blind faith passed to your seeds, killed our garden type weeds, turn around and blame it on Eve. You know, this idea that this kind of religious fundamentalist always <laughs> blaming things on marginalized, things on women, things on, you know, et cetera, mm-hmm. in order to distract from their very questionable and bad agendas. So, yeah, I'm sorry if our, our like analysis of the lyrics, I, I, I feel totally out of my depth doing analysis of lyrics in hip hop songs. I just know that we have to like at least attempt it because it's such an important part of like. Yeah, hip-hop. this is the problematic thing about your co-host is that you feel out of your depth with it and I don't pay attention to the lyrics in the same way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Even with hip hop, which I, I very much love is a genre I'm very into. Like I'm almost usually... Like with the exception of a few a few lyricists whose whose work I really enjoy, I'm mostly in it on like a, a, a sonic level, like the words they're saying. <laughs> well, I'm more with you on dialect too, because the sonic part is just takes up so much of the the real estate of of like the audio that like that is the number one thing I notice. So it can be hard for me to like get into the especially when they're like very dense. Mm-hmm. You know, with, like, something like Death Grips, it's, like, so... It's just random imagery, and, like, it's so I... It's it's easy to, like, take out specific lines and, and not have to know what the whole thing means because it's so abstract anyway. Whereas this, it feels like he's trying to paint a whole picture, and I feel like I'm missing a lot of pieces of that because I'm not paying attention to that aspect of it. So, yeah. All right, that's uh, Especially with this, I feel like I'm a little out of my depth, but... <laughs> Well, well, I you know the music holds up on its own as well. The lyrics are are generally good, you know. I think sometimes they're a little bit too wordy for how much is going on with the music for me. But... I, I kind of like that. I mean, I like it because I think if chaos is the point, it's occasionally like good to lean into that. I do think there are some points where it gets in the way, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I feel like really like upping the density on these songs is why I like them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's Spiritual Healing. The next track is Speak Volumes. Uh, this is probably uh, one of my favorites in the Same. early going of the album because it has this like, it actually makes me think of like Clams Casino. Oh, yeah. You know, Clams Casino will have these like really blown out, like very delayed uh, just melody lines or whatever that kind of just feel like they're they're... It's like if you're looking in a mirror and you have another mirror and, you know, like you get infinite mirror, mm-hmm. you know, like when you have another mirror facing a mirror and you look and, and it just like goes a really long way and, and then it like curves upward or whatever a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, no, for sure. <laughs> it kind of has that equivalent of that sound. Like it it just seems like it, it continually is like moving but never going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's that's a really cool. I, I didn't even think of that, but that is a really great comparison. You know, when I listen to the album, one, I love the weird, like mangled guitar loop at the beginning. I think that's a really good example of their kind of the fun shit they do with guitar sampling. But also, like the blown out sense kind of made me think of like John Carpenter horror movie soundtracks, just like mm-hmm. blown out to the nth degree, which is such a good sound. <laughs> like I just, you know, 
There's a lot of like horror soundtrack stuff in that. There's a few like Penderecki type things in the later going on the uh, in the album, so sure. it kind of fits with that. I I know what you mean. Of like things that are kind of like this Clams Casino line that I'm talking about is like always going upward, but it never getting anywhere. If you know what I mean, it's like it's it's trying to move upward while like it things are falling underneath it, so it continues to like move. It's a very kind of just feeling of like there's all this movement happening, but not you're not going anywhere new, but it feels very heightened. I don't know how to describe that feeling. Mm-hmm. Force the size, rain upon my last smile, spit concrete vials, spit bodies on the shy. Force the size, rain upon my last smile, spit concrete vials, spit bodies on the shy. Force the size, rain upon my last smile, spit concrete vials, spit bodies on the shy. Force the size, rain upon my last smile, spit concrete vials. It's a mess you believe to be real Listen to Hendrix play backwards on real to real This world lost its fear when art lost its grasp Should've paid attention in class Get fed or tipped up This is still a bastard Ask for it all of us in the swift nil Built on the ashes you burn Place the urns along with the lessons I learned It's, I don't know, it's it, Hellteid has a similar thing going on too But the synth work on this album I feel like is something that I wish more like industrial hip hop that Clams just has an influence used because yeah, outside of something like, like uh Clams Casino, I feel like, or, or like, you know, some synthwave producers these days, like I feel like it's not used enough in this context. And I think it works so well because it brings this like a very eerie melodicism to uh, what is essentially a noise bath. Yeah. The thing with Clams Casino is Clams Casino is almost always the best thing on any track with Clams Casino. This is, this is correct. A correct assessment. (laughs) But yeah, the the verse that he says at the beginning with this part that I'm talking about, it's like a high up uh, kind of part. It says, false facades, grin upon my last smile, spit concrete piles, speak volumes on this child. He says it very quick, Mm -hmm. so it's hard to hear exactly what he's saying he also has a reference in the at the end of the first verse to shirley chisholm which i think is interesting it's a weird line to to (laughs) to reference her in yeah she's the first uh representative first black woman elected to u.s state congress she's actually uh, the original district that she represented which i think the district is a different uh it got gerrymandered or changed or whatever but i'm pretty sure like I live in her original district because the the park nearby has like a plaque for Ch- Shirley Chisholm, so that was kind of. Uh, How's the district doing? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I the thing is, is like the line that that's in is like I am where you were before you was my victim. Breathe Clorox while I rock social unconscious like Shirley Chisholm. Like it's such a random fucking reference. Sorry, one second, I'm getting buzzed. All right, sorry. Um, no problem. It's very much lyrically. It's it's a it's sort of a weird coming of age song. <laughs> yeah, he has the the lyrics. Uh, Lost my rhythm within context of diseased cortex. Search for more sex and violence was met with ill silence. Childhood idols fell hard like third world tyrants. That's definitely a feeling I can relate to. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, you know, like I get it, but it's you know, it's one of those things with Struve a few songs on here that's just like the production is so 
good that it's hard it's hard to pay attention yeah outside of how much like texture the voice and the words lend to it and it's one of the reasons why like i was saying earlier i, I kind of like how windy his style is because it means you get some really good consonants and words and vowels that like really back up the production in there a lot of x's love that shit mm-hmm. <laughs> He also mentions film noir, which I I said, like, a lot of their samples have kind of a film, like, some of those, like, old Hollywood movie-sounding samples kind of have that feeling to them, so that's kind of interesting. But, yeah, then there's an outro uh, section that's kind of different, that has a very spacey, like, slidey guitar, you know? It has that kind of... It has, like, a shoegaze feeling, but it's, like, slowed down. It's, like, a very sleepy... I was gonna say... It feels like that those like um slowed and reverb YouTube videos. Yeah. You know? It's a very like sleepy, slowed down uh slide guitar. It's like kind of like a drug trip. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I'm asking what happened. I'm mapping. Yo, I'm asking what happened. Which, you know, good leading into from Mole Hills. Yeah, well, and the and the line that he says over and over again, which I think just just to finish out the song, is thirty third degree new continents. I'm mapping. Yo, I'm asking what happened. He's just talking about MCs, DJs, B boys, graph artists, my culture. What happened? It's. I think this song is really, I guess, just about disillusionment or growing up and realizing that like things that you thought were one way or or different way. Right. So. 33rd Degree, Genius says, is a Freemason reference, which doesn't seem right to me. Oh. Um, mm. I thought it was, because it says 33rd Degree New Continents we mapping, I thought it was like a latitude or longitude thing. Yeah, I see, I, I would assume that that was like a parallel thing. Yeah, so maybe that's just genius being genius. It crosses North Africa, Asia, and... Uh... Makes sense to me, as, as that. From Molehills, I think, is actually... A good song to get to like with this conversation we're having because i think it's one of the ones where the production is pretty mild and the lyrics do stand out a lot more yeah oh don't you mean from molehills <laughs> yeah i'm so sorry yes we always acknowledge the ellipses here on kitchen <laughs> yeah this has kind of the very metallic sort of like you know kitchen where like they're drumming like pots and pans kind of sound to it i don't know super metallic drums i don't know if that's just an effect that's put on or like that that's actually drumming that they did themselves or they got the sample from somewhere else but it seems like either something they would do themselves or like a a a sample pack of that kind of thing not a sample pack it's 2002 but you know what i mean you could buy sample packs in 2002 i sample 2002 is right when i started making music which is it shows how old i am i guess (laughs) but like there were definitely sample packs that existed i mean that's when i like half of the sound fonts that i still have on my computer i downloaded in 2000 oh my god what format is that (laughs) sf2 the sound font format you can load those in you know a bunch of stuff my my cracked copy of fruity loops 
from days gone by. Yeah, I used Reason. But yeah, there were sample packs around, mm-hmm. but I know what you mean. Probably like a record, a sound effects record, a kind of thing that you could get also. Yeah. Anyways, it's a much like lighter production, but also a much denser lyric. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has a nice bass line in it. It has the the kind of like, mm-hmm. every once in a while they have a bass line that's kind of the My Bloody Valentine sort of bass line, you know, that kind of has, you know, a lot of the My Bloody Valentine bass lines kind of have this very cool mm-hmm. kind of feeling to them that just is this kind of emotional bass for these very like noisy things that are happening on top of it. You know what I mean? Like it has it's, like- It's a, usually carrying the melodic content of the song. Yeah, it has like a muted groove that is the most- overtly melodic. Slowdive does a similar thing too, yeah. Yeah. It's a great bass line. The breath topple under there, bleeding feet Wasted, stabbing, pain, and left blow His mighty swords and sheath Source of all life lies in east The source of all life lies in east Feel the rubble of them bomb trains Third rail from beneath I walk with tattered scrolls on these ill lonely streets Babble last two-tongue Could give a fuck where you're from Travel torn paths, swung his pendulum Now my thread of life's come undone Remember back when Lucy's weighed a ton Now every kid's got me I was just re-listening to the drums to try and figure out. I was like, yeah, that must be a sample record. Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly. With like, a, with like the high end turned up, but there's definitely like it's someone's. They're hitting different kinds of percussion instruments than a drum. Somebody is playing it in a large like area of like a very mm-hmm. reverby area because I don't think you can just like turn the reverb up and make that kind of sound without recording it in that sort of environment. But who knows? Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, the verses seem to be like at least, especially the. Um, this is a real KRS one kind of lyric. Yeah, the chorus. Think. Remember days of cardboard, fat lace, and Krylon microphones and twelves tools we all relied on, etc. Dropped a verse. Uh, the <laughs> the thought was one to die on. I remember hip hop. That's my Mount Zion. So this is like goes back to his traditionalist, like growing up with his cousins, mm-hmm. uh, performing, and just the very like DIY nature of of early hip hop. So I think that's what it's talking about. And it is like. You know, I compare it to KRS-One. Again, I hate KRS-One. What I love about this is that it's a really evocative way of getting at it, you know, calling it the days of cardboard, fat lace, and Krylon. Like, that's a, that's a wonderful line, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, like, tons of tons of lines about that. Feel the rumble of them bomb trains third railed from beneath. I walk with tattered scrolls on these ill, lonely streets. Like, God, I love that shit. They also have scratching at the end, which I think might be an intentional, like, because I don't know if there's a lot of other or any other record scratching on this album. So I think they're doing it intentionally to, like, reference that earlier era of hip hop, like, at the end. But there is, okay, so there is, I believe, some scratching on Classical Homicide, but yes. Okay. There's literally one guy or two guys credited with turntables and cuts on From Mole Hills and Classical Homicide. So, okay. But yeah, it's not it's not like an album thing. Like no. it's not really anywhere else. It seems appropriate for, you know, the song that he's talking about. It's, you know. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of spiritualist uh stuff in here. He says Africa Zulu Nation, lyrics laced with oils from inner works of mental reservoir. The world in ill discord, pray to ancient ancestors. So yeah. Some good imageries. Etched my paradigm in Sanskrit at age nine. It's so good. Like that's the thing, is like even if the actual topic of the lyrics is 
fairly traditional. You know, this is like native tongue shit. But the actual, you know, kind of imagistic, linguistic way that he's... I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> the way that he's talking about this is like a very appealing format of lyric writing to me because it's so... It feels antithetical to the way that, like, say, a KRS-One would talk about this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 more. Um, I feel it more. It's evocative. It's it's it puts me into a place. Yes, definitely. So the next track is Antichristo. So this is just kind of an interlude. Mm -hmm. There's a, a sample of a, a speech. I don't know if it's like a, a preacher, uh, but there's actually a translation on Genius, so I, I might as well just read the translation. It says, Dear children, this is the last hour. It is the last time, the last days. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, you do not see the Antichrist is coming, and there is nothing that mankind can do to prevent it. Uh, and just as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have arisen. That's why we realize that it's the last hour. There are the last days, and the Bible says that the Antichrist comes. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, fair enough. It feels like it—I mean, it's it's coming from the, the world being painted in, like, spiritual healing and from molehills, right? Which are both dealing with a kind of spirituality and a sort of Old Testament apocalyptic— scenarios yeah and in his case i would guess that he means and if he's talking about the antichrist in a literal way he's talking about you know the war on terror or talking about like you know degeneration of society and culture and in that kind of way and he's not talking about like a specific you know he, he's not a fundamentalist is what i'm saying no absolutely not i clearly clearly we've had songs yeah. about this already yeah <laughs> What I'm saying is I don't think it's purely used ironically either. I think like there's an element where it's like, yeah, you know, there's an Old Testament element that I think he is on board with, but it in a, in a much more spiritual abstract sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's not of the interludes. It's probably my least favorite because it's, it's just flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like, that's the thing. It's like, there's no, like something like Death Grips, there's an element that's like ironic or winking to you sometimes. There's mm -hmm. really no irony on this album. It's not, it's not ironic. No, not really. Outside of maybe Heads, which, or at least what I thought Heads was. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit, but even that, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Now, now I don't know. Now, now that I know that's how you actually pronounce it, who knows? So the next song is Hold Tight. So, so I, I said uh, what this kind of sounds like, the, the main kind of instrumental, it sounds like in like a Final Fantasy or like a JRPG when there's a, there's always like a music called suspense or something like that. that like oh, really? When something bad in the plot happens, you know, it plays like some kind of like, oh no, you know, it's building up to something bad about to happen or like something bad is unfolding and it's kind of like minor key. You know what I'm talking about, right? No, I, I absolutely do. Not where I went with it, but yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, because it has like some keyboards in it. There's some like synth strings and like this kind of swirly keyboard sounds. It makes me think of more like something like that. Yeah, there's a... Hold on. Let me... I have to find the track list so I can remember exactly what I was thinking of. 
there's like a synth piano in there as well, like over the top yeah, of the so layers. The synths are really, really huge. And it reminded me a lot of the song, I believe it's Manhattan by Scott Walker, mm-hmm. which is a similar, like, this is almost absurdist how blown out the synth work is. But I kind of love, like, I love it. Like, I, you know, if you're talking about like the influence from Shoegaze, I feel it the most here where it's like such a massive synthy cloud of sound over a very chaotic partially natural partially artificial percussion track like it's it's one of my favorite songs on the album honestly because the texture is so weird and varied Misunderstood, misguided maniac, lack the social skills, it will defeat your mold. I told you kind before not to expect the world from out who hates the world. I burn your flag and furl, propel my anger past rage. What you thought was space is the air to my everyday. I raise a fist against the rusty cannons, abandoned. My every shed of decency, devised, plant the top of politicians in vicinity. Your ideas of liberty archaic. You took freedom and enslaved it. I don't portray the role of revolutionary. Well, I'm like of kind of two minds about this track because i do like the musical texture it's like one of the most dense on the album there's one other one that is kind of similarly very dense but i feel like the verses aren't memorable like they just kind of are just there and it's a lot of words and it just kind of there's no like the hook of like something like spiritual healing where it's like da 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 you know it's like not there it's Mm -hmm. just like words right so it just kind of feels like an interesting kind of swirling um instrumental on top of like a bunch of words that aren't like there isn't like a a hook there i guess no not really but the production kind of beats up the word like it's it it completely drowns it drowns them out to a big degree yeah if i just think of the words as like texture and don't think of it as having a hook then i enjoy it more but yeah as far as like the lyrics go they just completely pass over me in this one it's not a, I mean, it's not about much. It's kind of about being a hipster. <laughs> you know, that's where you get the... Uh... The Scott, the Reich. I prefer reciting prose over compositions by Reich. Hold tight to stereotypes like Newport cigarettes, pit bulls as pets, and bootleg mixed cassettes. Ah, yes. It's actually like uh, the, the Black Blackalicious song where he's like, Rock KRS-One, hey, I had that tape, or whatever that line was. Yeah, exactly. The bootleg cassette things. There we go, yeah. I miss bootleg cassettes. I used to make cassettes of everything when I was a kid. I need to, like, I don't have those cassettes anymore, but, like, I, I kind of want to go back to that. Because <laughs> that was, like, such an important part of my life when I was, like, a, you know, 10 years oh, old. Oh, same. Yeah, having the, the, being able to just, like, tape off the radio. Mm-hmm. Like, I fucking love that shit, you know? There used to be, um, every so often you'd get a, a station playing an entire album. <laughs> we had a whole, like, uh, me and my brother and some of our friends, we had a whole, like, fake radio show that we did on one that ended up Aww. just being taken over by me. <laughs> I love that. That's so cute. Yeah, I remember one of my ads was uh, for disgruntled postal worker Barbie. She was going <laughs> to... Oh, she, she was gonna shoot up. Her, it was about a Barbie who was gonna shoot up the postal office. Oh, little Liz, fresh off a of, fresh off playing postal too. Yeah, that was like very much my sense of you know. I drew pictures of people uh, of stick figures being disembodied and things like that. So, I mean, it was that was everybody's sense of humor in like Newgrounds '98 through 2002. Yeah, I guess it's true. It's not. 
you know, we we can't be held responsible. <laughs> Please don't psychoanalyze me too much. No, that's just how it was. But yeah, no, I I totally get that. And there's there's definitely a few times where like the lyrical content is just not there. But if you're somebody like me who just wants to be blown away by massive sounds, hold tight, fucking rules. Yeah, good sounds. Excellent sounds. Not as into the verses, but good sounds. <laughs> Uh, and then we have another intermission track called Heads, and this is just a bunch of people saying dialect or dialect, kind of both. Followed by some fucking sick percussion. Oh, yeah, yeah, a distorted drum breakdown that kind of leads I fucking love. into the next song. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is how I knew they were pronounced dialect. Well, also I heard uh, Will Brooks actually saying their name too. So. I thought it was a joke. You have to understand, like, I didn't, like, own this album it was given to me on like a burn cd by my friend mm -hmm. so like this is all i had to go on and to me it seemed really funny like oh no it's it's dialect but they're saying dialect that's they don't know how to pronounce your name that's hilarious nope turns out i was the silly one <laughs> but the drums at the end are still fucking sick and i think it is a great it's a great lead into black smoke rises because yeah it's basically it almost feels like you're being shoved off a cliff yeah well it, it makes me think of those olivia tremor control like dusk at cubist castle where they had like the one minute tracks where it was just like mm -hmm. someone talking or whatever and, and before going into the really long ambient track Dialect. So yeah, the, the center of this album is Black Smoke Rises. Mm -hmm. It is funny because this is the type of music, this is the type of track as a teenager I would just skip entirely. Same, absolutely. Yeah, but now, is it, this is the one way my uh, taste in music has changed a lot because now I really like this kind of music, but it was just not the case growing up. It's funny. So there's some like long noise tracks I was so fine listening. Like I'd listen to all 20 minutes of the Diamond Sea or whatever, but... This kind of thing where it's like really abstract, mm -hmm. and especially when it's in the middle of an album, like that's harder for me. Like if it's the end of the album, I'll, I'll listen to the whole jam. In the middle of an album, it was so much harder for me. And now, I think especially again the way this album is paced, like it plays such like a nice pivot point there, and it doesn't feel like a drag. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it feels like a, an extension, like an almost like really drilling into the atmosphere that the album has set up for you it, it, or it almost feels like a oh god for the the gamers out there there's like a true dark soul starts here shit going on <laughs> well it is a thing of like i'm not very receptive or sensitive to people saying that like they're not actually hip-hop because clearly they are like but apparently that was a critique that was leveled against them but the one way that i could buy that is this track is not really hip-hop it's it's an experimental track kind of in the middle of the album but to me like i like that kind of music so i i feel like it is when i was listening to this album it really kind of opened things up and made it feel like something that was more ambitious and kind of stepping outside of its own context which is what i liked about a lot of those olivia tremor control albums because you know they're basically like beatles or beach boysy pop songs but then they do all this other 
kind of stuff with it. This is kind of similar. I mean, it isn't just an industrial hip hop album. It's like kind of going, it's going a step further or two. Yeah, it's sort of trying to explode the boundaries of what a hip hop instrumental can be. And to even consider this a hip hop instrumental, like you said, is, is a bit, is maybe stretching the definition for anybody who wants to really nail, like, hash that out. Because it, it's like, there's not a lot of rhyming. It's not rhythmically delivered. It's mostly kind of a spoken word monologue over this, like, genuinely music concrete. There's not, there's almost, I'm trying to remember if there's... It's like a metal machine music type. <laughs> Even metal machine music is a little more melodic than this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, I, I also put Sentimental Journey by Per Ubu. I don't know why that's what came up in my head. But... I mean, yeah, for sure. Or again, like, um... I'm using a reference to an album that nobody's listened to, but Heaven No Wami and Hell's Afraid from that Divine Styler album. It's like, you know, it's taking the huge length of this song to let the atmosphere to the production breathe, where usually like a long hip hop song is to get all the lyrics in. Mm-hmm. This one feels like it is really more of it needs to be this long because the mood needs to breathe and develop and spiral in on itself. Yeah, and he does have lines that he delivers, but they kind of like smoke they just kind of waft over like you de- I didn't even realize that there were this many lines in the song cuz the most the thing that I mostly hear in my head is him saying black smoke rises to a heaven I do not know slowly gaze to take in our sorrow yeah but yeah that and like the um the opening part that feels like you know a weird breakup monologue is the other part that I remember really well but that's just cuz it's how it starts he says i miss the burning of my flesh content in simple earthly pleasures meaning only in breath you censor walk amongst the blessed digress into false posture to assume the role of a coal walker i seek my lost muse what must she feel right this instant does my name even bring about vague distant memories okay yeah i can see what you mean again i didn't have a lyric sheet in front of me uh when i first was listening to this song so i, I was just hearing like you know oh i missed this woman and not- so so this is uh basically their like version of pearl jam's black mm-hmm. absolutely do 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 Absolutely. And that's why it's called Black Smoke Rises. It's a reference. Yeah, it's because they're that's their favorite song. You know. You gotta you gotta hand it to dialect, you know, giving props to their heroes in Pearl Jam. Yeah. As we all should do, really. As we all should do. Can't can't wait for the episode on no code. Yeah, we'll do it eventually. It's happening. We could do it whenever, really. I mean, because it's a nineties album, <laughs> but it's true. That'll be one of our specials. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is another kind of spiritual kind of like I'm lost in the I'm lost in the sauce. I'm lost in the sauce right. once again. Uh, that makes me think of the, um, the Ween song. But anyway, he's not waving his dick in the wind like Ween is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I don't know why I get. Oh, I'm waving my dick in the wind all in my head all the time. But you know, it just it's it's a good song. It's hard, but yeah, he's lost. He's lost in the in the kind of um, you know. I imagine uh, this is very imagistic. Like I keep seeing images of all these. Like he's just wandering around in this very thick fog, like not really knowing where he's going. You know, exactly. That's why I love that shit. Ah, blame it on my embarrassing love of poetry. Anyways, that said, like, as much of a pivot point a great song as it is, I don't know how to talk about it other than what we've said. Yeah, lots of different distorted noises and synths, uh, mostly atonal. Yeah. (laughs) 
Like smoke rises to a heaven I do not know Slowly gains to take in our sorrow Slowly gains to take in our sorrow Black smoke rises to a heaven I do not know Slowly gains to take in our sorrow Smoke rises to a heaven I do not know Slowly gaze to take in our sorrow Why question a life only borrowed Yeah, almost entirely it, it's, a very, it's a very foggy It's got big Silent Hill soundtrack vibes <laughs> Yeah, although like Kind of heavier than that Absolutely, no, that, that's me being kind of joking Because I, I just I have a lot of friends who will like Referring to like the obvious like kind of industrial bands That a work is gesturing towards to be like oh it sounds like silent hill yeah well that is a thing that a lot of people know and have heard so i i guess that makes sense but it is frustrating if you're, yeah because it's like you know silent. if you're me specifically <laughs> yeah well there's a lot of silent i love silent hill too i yeah like... i love silent hill like there's a lot of silent hill that just straight up borrows from like david lynch or like yeah. the movie jacob's ladder which no one seems to remember that movie even though which is wild because that is like so much of the silent hill aesthetic is just jacob's ladder yeah it's why it's cool so but... the, you know should get more credit but yeah it's 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 one of those stay tuned for our episode on jacob's ladder coming <laughs> i mean <laughs> next halloween I, I think i think it's appropriate that we're just kind of wandering off course talking about this because <laughs> there really isn't any it's too hard to like actually describe you know you just kind of have to yeah, listen to it you, you gotta listen to it but you should listen to it and not skip it like i think yes absolutely because it, it does kind of change like you know it's like walking through a threshold i feel like your relationship with the album is definitely changed after listening to all, all of that track for sure. Although that's one of the reasons why I don't love Trampled Brethren. Yeah, um, this is because honestly it, my least favorite of the next four tracks, actually. Same. It doesn't pick the ball up in a way that like Voices of Ether does. Like Trampled Brethren feels a little... And maybe this is on, you know, the last two decades or a certain like perception that as a Westerner I have gained of like tabla music. Yeah. But something about it feels more like too normal. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like the tabla sitar. I mean, it was big in like 60s music too, people like referencing right. Indian music. It's funny because I used to play the tabla. I played the tabla for, I think I mentioned this actually. In some like uh, class at, at Oberlin, they had like uh, specific classes you could take kind of for one credit and one of them was like there was an instructor who taught like tabla uh and other things and my friend was doing it and my friend only went to like one of them and he's like oh they're not teaching it correctly but i didn't know any better so i i i took it and yeah the the the, the vocalizations that they do when they're like da din the da da tirikita da like those are all things that we had to like say while like playing the the instruments so it was a nice like <laughs> bringing back memories of that <laughs> but yeah there's also a sample that says uh i don't know what the sample is i i, I try to search for it um but it's it's a person saying so that we would be denied the knowledge of who we are that was taken out of the history books several centuries ago and of course it has not been put back as of yet um he says like truth can't hide forever so that's the you know the vocal sample that kind of keeps being played which is like you know it's a, a pretty <laughs> typical the kind of sample that you would expect in this kind of music so it's fine but you know yeah i don't think it's a bad song but it's it's a really bad it's the only part of the album was like this is the sequencing is falling down here this is a bad follow-up to black smoke rising in a way that like i think voices of ether 
would be a great follow-up. <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting... I mean, there's some interesting beat. Like, I do like the tabla, how it's integrated with the normal beat, and there's, like, kind of a shimmery... I don't know what it it is exactly, like, uh, high-up, like, harpsichord-y kind of sounding instrument that works well. I thought it was just, like, a MIDI, a bad MIDI sitar. <laughs> so maybe that's on me. Oh, yeah, it could just be a bad MIDI sitar. I don't know. This is also one of the tracks that has, like, a very extended long outro to it. Yeah. Which is fine. I don't know. Bells, ancient tongue swells as one lumbers with prenatal language. Manage a course, throaty mumble to convey how this earth crumbles. I tumble close to where I've been a million times before. Free to ignore pain which pounds at human temples. Resemble less of a man and more of the dirt I tread on. Truth I fed on. So that we would be denied the knowledge of who we are. This was taken out of the history book. Several centuries ago. And of course it has not been put back as yet. But the verse is like, it's really right in the name Trampled Brethren. It's just like this idea of people and things that have been lost and kind of this idea of like a lost tradition. I mean, the, the vocal sample that I just mentioned pretty much says what the, the meaning of this, the, the track is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's less interesting. And on this album being less interesting is kind of a death sentence because it is such... It's so full of interesting stuff elsewhere. Yeah, maybe maybe because it's a slightly more normal song outside of the tabla sample and the, the sitar sample being the most interesting thing about it. Maybe that's why they put it after Black Smoke Rises. Also, just the idea of like you step through the threshold and you experience like a lot of pain. So this is a song that's kind of dealing with that, but in a more uh, direct way. It sort of a, has a beat. So... I, I sort of get why it's placed where it is in the album, but yeah, it's my least favorite of the last four tracks, definitely. Yeah, and I think probably my least favorite on, on the on the album as a whole, especially because like, the last three tracks are really good. Mm -hmm. Like Voices of Ether has this I lovely... I think Voices of Ether is my favorite track on the album. It's definitely up there. I, I was going to say it feels a little Kid A mm. in a way that like isn't elsewhere. Just in like the fog of voices that comes in every so often, like has a big... Kid A vibe to it, but then it also has that great like rising tea kettle squeal at the beginning. Like it's got ah. well, there's there's it's there's just... so much stuff because there's like some like '90s air, you know, like I don't know, Nas Tribe Called Quest kind of like samples in there. Like hip, there's a there's a sax sample and it goes boom, boom, and there's like a piano chord like that it has that kind of sample in it. But then there's like a crazy sample with like a marimba or xylophone in the breakdown. Like it just it's very eclectic, very musically adventurous, probably more so than any of the songs that I can think of on this album. It kind of has like a psychedelic feeling, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And in a way that works for me a lot better than the the psychedelic feeling in the next song. Like it has, it's more kind of in love with the exploration of sound and it's moody. It's a really moody song in a way that that works really well, especially like after a lot of, you know, very loud and aggressive songs and then a very like extended, you know, sonic meditation. His walk's so amusing, the stagger is looming My truth gets jagged and demonetizing
this also has a crazy buildup at the end. It has that huge crescendo of like, you know, uh, kind of like the Penderecki style, like shining soundtrack, yeah. kind of like, you know, like. Yeah, I think that's the other the other reason I was thinking of Kid A, but you're right. It is very like Penderecki or even like a Leggetti uh, atmospheres thing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so fucking pretentious that we just referenced Pinderecki and Leggetti well, in this hip hop album review. No, it really <laughs> isn't because, like, just there isn't really another way to describe that specific. No, song. and I'm sure it's intended. Yeah, you know, like it's it's not like they accidentally did that. But this one also has some of the like film noiry, like old Hollywood type samples in it. But it's like integrated, kind of it meshed in with everything else. It's just so eclectic, like sound wise that it's almost hard to hear what he's saying and there are less kind of lines in the song he says you miss the entity of all i perform my soul is so worn my soul is so torn my skin's so scorned or he says my mind's so torn but yeah it's not really it feels almost like an instrumental yeah like the, the lyrics are there but they're not the lyrics aren't the point it's it's very textural the voice is extremely textural yeah absolutely i think yeah just like musically it goes beyond the realm of just being like an industrial hip-hop album again and being something that is very like sonically adventurous Mm -hmm. which i think also dovetails well into the next song which yeah this is actually my least favorite song on the album i think really this one sounds like my bloody valentine is so to, to me it sounds like a sort of like talk talk uh extended psychedelia which is fine but i don't think it's something they're doing very well it feels kind of cheesy. I mean, like the the lyrics, like the delivery. Maybe the the yesterdays don't matter now. They're gone. Your careless expression left my wrists torn. Yesterdays don't matter now. You're gone. Shattered glass of empty bottles cut my palms. Like yeah, it is like a recovery, spiritual recovery. It it is pretty straightforward and like obvious what it is. But like those, the part where the the bass goes boom 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 boom, and and there's like a high up and it goes you know it has like oh it's so, that part is so good yesterday's no matter now you're gone shot a glass of empty bottles cut my palms what happened to the times we spent dreaming of days to come so invincible then before these times I learned to bleed all my knees are prayed for us as what we were slipped between my fingers those memories still linger Yeah, I feel like maybe I need to re-listen to it in a different context. On this album, it just feels so off to me. I don't know why. I like the spacey guitar. This is where I kind of got the Olivia Tremor control thing, because there's a little bit more of a... It, this one's like a lot more guitar heavy. It is, but not but not in like a the same kind of like mangled way as it is in the next song. Like it's fairly straightforwardly presented. I mean, yeah, it's not as like obscure as a feeling, but it feels more like kind of West Coasty to me of like this idea of standing on a huge cliff and seeing like a huge expanse and it's like kind of the golden hour and it's it's just very like sun setting universal kind of feeling. You know, it, it can be kind of a corny feeling for some people, but to me, I feel like it's a, a vibe that it, I try not to use the word vibe. Um it's a it's a feeling that isn't on the rest of the album, and 
I mean, this has made me realize like how attached I am to hearing specific like uh, melodic ideas and it's just nice to hear guitars in this kind of track maybe it shows that i'm not like a true fan of, of hip-hop or whatever well, i think I'm... what it shows is that you're a big fan of psychedelia which i think is super valid but yeah it's okay it's okay to be an elephant six fan it's 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 safe for you here i mean but there's a lot of like really corny psychedelic stuff and i and i don't really get that sense from from this yeah so. i you know and i think that's I think that might be just a, your mileage may vary because while it's my least favorite on the song, I don't definitely don't think it's the worst song. I think Trampled Beth Brethren is uh, like it's trying to do something. It, it even has like a like a country like guitar rift. Like it even has like you know riffs and stuff in it. I don't know. It just feels appropriate to like because we've had so much distorted abstract stuff to have like very clear melodic lines that are kind of this very spacey like everything has this slightly time stretch slightly slowed down like time has slowed down and things are you know you're kind of observing everything at once like yeah a spiritual quest kind of feeling i don't know i think that's an important perspective <laughs> i i like it and that's what reminded me of elephant six and olivia trauma control specifically is that, that makes element. so yeah. much sense to me now yeah before, I, I guess I was assuming it was like an ambition thing, but now that makes sense and I get it. I do think I love the next song a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's a fucking sick way to end the album. I love classical homicide. Yeah, so. Because it like that's the kind of guitar nonsense I love. It, it's got this weird, like, scrambled guitar riff at the beginning that turns yeah, into. Yeah, we a, got guitar wankery and then, yeah, sorry. Like a wah wah riff that's been like sliced up and shuffled to a point of I... like. I think it's a harmonic guitar riff. I'm pretty Is sure. Is it a harmonic like, one? It sounds like a wah. It sounds like they're doing harmonics in like a wah wah or something like, or, or like it's palm muted or something like that. But they're yeah, they're There's like something going boop, on boop, there. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, like that sounds like. <laughs> Well, that, that I think is like a looped string sample. No, I'm pretty sure the, that's a guitar harmonic. Oh, no, we're talking about different things. Yeah, I'm talking about like there's a guitar breakdown and then there's like a higher up guitar part that's like, you know, like a little bit more melodic. And I think that's right. a, yeah, that's that, that riff is like some kind of harmonic. Yeah. But and then the main section has this these again, like sad, slowed down Hollywood strings kind of as, as the bass line. And they're looped in a really artificial way, which is my one of my favorite things in hip hop production. Yeah, if something like a like a ride around shine and is another good example of that. I will say like string samples too. You can get like really low, like kind of shitty string samples, and if you put them in like a in in a filter like this, it and, <laughs> and a low pass filter, you can just make them sound like they're old TV Hollywood stuff, and people won't tell the difference. Like even if it's like a real low quality sample. It's true, and hey, it works. It does. <laughs> you don't have to be Bazinski to get this kind of shit. You can. Just... I did it. I did it back in the day on my Donkey Kong Country remix for <laughs> for Kong in concert. Amazing. Yeah, Cry of the Casmal Critter Chain. Yeah. <laughs> That's the coolest thing you've ever told me, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. No, but it's it's a it's a very progressive song, right? So it moves through a lot a few different sections and all of them are like I feel like it feels like a good summation of the album as a whole. Like as a closing track, it's one of those things that makes the album feel very albumy to me. Oh, you're right. There is like scratching, but it's like a weird kind of scratching on this song. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it a more like chiptune sounding like lower. Yeah, I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, it's not it's not the same as as it is uh but yeah, that that ba da da da. That's that's like a good bassline because it it's like upbeat, but there's still like kind of this sad, like resigned, like element to it, and it's kind of, you know, it's like unresolved a little bit, but it's like this good emotional bassline for like what the the kind of mood that they that this album is. It's not like a, a happy resolve thing, but it's not like a completely sad, depressing. It's kind of like this mix of emotions, I guess. I don't know how to describe that exactly, but no, I mean, again, it's you, you got to hear it though. It's so good. We're gonna we'll put in a clip. Yes, we will. It's so good. Mercy sig that e minor him for those of us who sing, for those of us who sing with it. Dirty sanctum became brother's anthem. Jesus Christ, the black man walks the earth still. Forgot to speak the real. Struggle space not still. I put to nil, never one, not one. None of my pay ways to contest my thought. Best to talk, why question my heart? None of my pay ways to contest my thought. Best to talk, why question my heart? None of my pay ways to contest my thought. He says, Left I rate, I rely only on my hidden traits to stay the tide. All is mine to lose in my mind, although I have already lost all. I am appalled by these very friendly sights. I remain polite in proper society. They view me as the sewer. Yep. If you're a, if you're a trans person, you can probably relate to that. <laughs> or if you've just been on FetLife recently. Uh, yeah, <laughs> true. The main line that he repeats over and over again is, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That was the that was the last song. <laughs> I was complete <laughs> I was reading from the wrong song. Well, whatever. We could make up for <laughs> Uh he says subterranean maintain my own tongue amongst ruins in subdued tones I speak of the flesh within tombs our inner core. Who is the blessed invade airwave type moors? Soar from travels to unmarked thresholds, grapple truths untold, lying in whispers and figures. So this is kind of closing out the book. Man, I embarrassed that I read the lyrics of the wrong song. But it, in fairness, they can kind of fit in different places. It's true. Again, this is a an album that, for me, has always long been about more about like the production and the rhythm of the actual delivery than it is about the lyrics themselves. Yeah. Well, th- this is kind of, it has a sound of like, things aren't done. Like, this is just the beginning kind of sound. He says, Jesus Christ, a black man walks the earth still, forgot to speak the real, struggles fate not sealed, I appeal to nil, never one, not one, none. Uh, and then the hook, which is repeated throughout, is amplify brain waves to condense my thought, bends the dark, why question my art? And at the end, there's like one last section where he screams it, and that's kind of, like how the album ends. Not before he name checks 
Uh, Amon Ra, he name checks uh, Faust. He says, how many MCs know who Faust is? Uh, he name checks Tigris and Euphrates rivers and Fertile Crescent. So there's a lot of imagery that is kind of like Old Testament battle-y stuff, this idea of like histories that have never been really uh, manifested in reality and this the struggle still kind of continuing and trying to, you know, yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's true. That is what it's, yeah. (laughs) But the production... The production it ends man. on like a high, like the the drums get really distorted and he really starts screaming amplify brain waves to conduct yeah bends the dark why question my art and Ugh, so we so we good. end on a really high like emotional note which is appropriate because spiritual healing kind of begins with that kind of mm. tomber too so it kind of you know closes the book so yeah i don't really have much else to say i i think it's a great album and i honestly think it you know outside of maybe like trampled brethren i honestly think hold tight is like i mean i like the music but not the verses so much but i think generally like this is uh this album is like a good length and uh is well structured as an album and uh i felt like it was a really it was really cool to listen to it's not like quite at the level for me of something like i don't know shabazz palaces or death grips that are like more abstract and lyrical Mm -hmm. and don't have this kind of classical mc uh, element to it but it's like pretty close to that stuff for me and and those are artists that sort of got big in the 2010s so well i mean i know the guy from Chipaz palaces was big in the <laughs> 90s but um like that kind of music so yeah they were definitely ahead of their time and definitely deserve more credit from all it seems like and hopefully listening to this episode will have uh kind of driven that point home yeah agreed honestly and, and revisiting this I like it even a lot more than I did at the time. Or I feel like I appreciate it a lot more than I did at the time, you know, with the benefit of hindsight and also with, like, the benefit of some more patience with it. And, again, like, this along with, like, the next couple of albums is, like, some of my favorite production and sound, not just in all of hip-hop, but in all of industrial music. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, the, you know, uh, Octopus and Dialect are just, like, really, really creative, interesting producers, like, um, they're the the kinds of sounds they're drawn to and the way they layer them is both like extremely well curated and a lot, I think subtler than most would think while still being extremely like loud and interesting and good. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes like there's like a bone, like an intentionally boneheaded quality to something like Death Grips or even Yeezy mm-hmm. that dialect feels like a lot more intricate. It's more high-minded, I would say. <laughs> Which is another way of putting it. Yes, absolutely. Where would you... Do you, where, do you know where you would rank this? Yes. Uh, so I kind of waffled a little bit because it's around where a broken social scene is for me because they're both kind of experimental albums. Um, I ended up putting it above, but they're pretty close to each other. So it's actually number five for me right below source tags and codes and above Ooh. broken social scene. You forgot it in people. So pretty high up there. Um. Yeah, it's higher than Yankee Hotel Foxtrot or or Interpol or you forgot it in people. So yeah, it's one of those things where like I'm looking at my list and I'm I need to listen to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot again to remember why I liked it so much. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure I had a good reason for putting it as high as I did, but currently I I have it at number uh six, so actually right above Geo Gaddy. Okay. 
So uh, around and right below Yankee Hotel, around the same place uh, mm-hmm. for both of us. It's an album that I think has just gotten better with time, and especially with how much its influence has borne out in like modern music. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like a lot of it seems like a common response to people who have discovered them is like, "Wow, where where was this group? Like, I I, I didn't know about this." You know? Yeah, it's it's huge. You know. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, definitely check check them out if you're into this kind of music at all, and listen to the whole album through. Like, if you can, don't just listen to one song because I I really do think it's one of those kind of album type experiences. For sure, yeah. Um, and even though like the songs are long, the album itself is not like super super long. It's not unbearable, pr- provided you can you know deal with the long Black Smoke Rises track, which I I you. You definitely should listen to all of it. But if, if you can't deal with it, I'll I'll think a little less of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> for some of our younger listeners, like around that age, I, I did like it, like late teens, early twenties. I did have more trouble listening to that kind of music than I do now. But, but... I expect more of, of the younger generation than I did of us. <laughs> <laughs> you see, ah, uh, yes, in the very fair and normal way that I do. Just to like close this out, like I do think that like. It is kind of nice to do albums like the Mira album for the last episodes or this album where it's like, you know, maybe you've heard of them a little bit, but they're not like big names because exactly it's a situation where it's like it might actually help like amplifying their music to more people. Oh, my God. If any if people discover dialect because of this, I would be so fucking happy. I'm sure some will because I discovered them through you just mentioning them. So like for doing this episode. So, yeah wonderful wonderful group and 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 yeah don't stop here like i did long long ago Uh, yeah and we will continue to do like you know more a little bit more obscure artists mm -hmm. you know we'll do spoon we'll do interpol but we're not gonna all do that kind of stuff we're gonna try and mix it up so it's yeah it's just like it's nice to do these even if they might not get as many listeners or whatever yeah well the ones we get it's worth it yeah they're they're the real heads yeah (laughs) you're the real heads in the audience and we love you um but yeah okay so we do have actually a couple uh emails oh fuck yeah let's do it okay because it's been a while since we've recorded that's true okay so the email uh this one's from elaine fiandra hello first of all i wanted to say that i really love the podcast Started from the Bjork, the Bjork episode and slowly working my way through listening to the other episodes. As someone who fundamentally tends to listen to music in a cultural void, it's incredibly interesting to learn about the actual scene slash critical context for some of these bands. I had no idea Interpol had such extensive pitchfork lore behind it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, secondly... Yeah. I run Gotta Get Out of This Town, um, which is sort of an alternate universe opposite coast version of what you do. Uh, it's it's apparently a very sim- similar format, but we talk about pop punk and mainstream emo from the 2000s. So it's oh. a podcast about uh, pop punk and mainstream emo. I looked at some of their episodes. Um, oh, I want to check that out. Also, opposite coast. I'm in Chicago. We, we're on all coasts now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to live on the West Coast, but yeah, now I live on the East Third Coast. Third coast, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm of no real coast at this point. Oh, I'm, I'm coastless in my soul. Just coasting. Yeah, I'm just coasting. <laughs> just on a coaster. 
Um, and I wanted to offer an open invitation if either of you uh, at any point wants to come on as a one-off guest. Um, I can imagine neither of you would be caught dead talking about the hundreds of Blink clones that populate our spreadsheet, but whatever I find internet people who want to talk about music in a funny and intelligent way, I always feel compelled to invite them. I'd be totally down. I, I have a chip on my shoulder about a lot of third-wave emo, but I did. There's a Thursday album I really liked, and I, do, I, I was actually like really into pop punk in the 90s and a bit in the odds like i listen to a lot of offspring <laughs> you're probably a way more of an expert on this than than i am so i can give you elaine's contact info if you're yeah uh, yeah i'll hit you up that sounds like fun the gig i did all months was like basically a punk gig so I, I'm, I'm more acquainted with it now than i used to be oh okay yeah that is something that like that kind of pop punk music does seem to like in the mainstream consciousness does seem to have people's relationship with it now is kind of different it seems to have come back in a lot of ways in a, in a sure. strange way and in retrospect it's getting a lot a lot more respect than it used to yeah uh elaine says just let us know if you're at any point interested and we'll schedule something um yeah they, uh, they're apparently covering 2003 2004 ish right now uh period so yeah um i'll have max get in touch with you i'll give max uh, your email there and uh, then the other person we have is uh, Danny Abasi. Danny says, Hi all. Really enjoyed the discussion about Trail of Dead, whose album Madonna I loved as a teenager. Hell yeah. <laughs> I need to listen to that album. Madonna writes. <laughs> yeah, I put a clip of one of the songs from Madonna like at the beginning of the Trail of Dead episode, mm -hmm. but I still need to really listen to that album. Um, like James said, upon hearing them, it felt like the world had provided exactly the music I wanted to hear. I also caught a video of theirs on MTV2 in the UK. So I guess the UK version. Um, the one for Mistakes and Regrets, which I still love, and it served as a way in for me, though I soon got distracted uh, from slash about them. Uh, would love to hear what you make of At the Drive-In's album, Relationship of Command. Ooh. It's another one of those apocalyptic millennial big rock albums, and I think it holds up. Uh, curious to know what Liz makes of the baffling lyrics. <laughs> Thanks for the podcast. Best regards, Danny Abbasi, London. I've often compared the lyrics of, uh, of um, Cedric Bixler's Avala to Bad Sci-Fi as written by William S. Burroughs. Oh, Okay. I think I like I love relationship. I mean, I'm a big post hardcore nut in general, but I love relationship with command. Absolutely. I know nothing about at the drive in other than I know that they were a band that existed that people liked that and who became uh, Mars Volta and Sparta. Oh, OK. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, one of those bands is better than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I thought Mars Volta was kind of lame, but I, I, I don't remember exactly why people thought that they were lame they're really earnest prog rock okay so it's the kind of thing that in that era people would react very poorly to but um yeah at, uh relationship of command is is a fantastic album i get what you mean about it being another like very maximalist album although i think it's it's a lot more like kind of wiry and, and post-punky in a way that like at the drive-in is closer to like a a maximalist sonic youth uh, especially with madonna um oh okay Oh, you mean you mean Trail of Dead is more of a Trail maximalist. Dead? Yes. What did I say? You said at the drive-in is more of a max. Fuck me. I meant Trail of Dead. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm old and my brain is collapsing in on it's, itself. It's fine. I am unable to read things off the screen for this podcast. Generally, I have to like continually edit <laughs> around 
my verbal flubs. Yes, which hopefully you won't hear any of on this on this episode. Yeah, you'll probably hear some of them. Honestly, I I would be shocked if we didn't do, if not Relationship of Command, then at least a Mars Volta album over the course of this show because it's a big part of that culture. And I believe was Pitchfork the one that gave like uh, Francis the Mute a really bad score. Let me check that. I could be wrong. Hmm. Mars Volta. Possibly. I, re- I just remember Francis the Mute getting real. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they gave it a two. Uh, That's a pretty bad score. Uh, Francis the Mute, widely considered the, one of the best albums that the band ever did. So that'll, that would be a fun one to cover once we get there. Okay. Um, but yeah. Oh, speaking of Danny mentioned James Webster. So I saw Death Dynamic Shroud. I saw them play a show in Brooklyn which was a while ago now, but it was after, I think, the last time that we recorded. Um, yeah, and so I said hi to James. Didn't get to talk to him very much, but I did talk to uh, Tech Honors, who's uh, one of the other members of Death Dynamic Shroud, a very a very tall gentleman who looks like <laughs> he's about 22, even though he's like 38. So <laughs> Wonderful. Tech looks like he's in an emo band. He's He has that look down. Real Guy Pachotto figure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Tech was telling a bizarre story about the the like uh, the green room of this venue that was just like used to be somebody's bachelor pad or something like, and it was like converted. I don't know, it was bizarre. But anyway, uh, yeah, I had a really good time at the Death Dynamic Shrouds uh, show, so figured I'd mention that. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else interesting that I went to that's relevant. Yeah, I don't know. My friend David, uh, also who writes this newsletter called Penny Fractions about the music business, I think I've mentioned him before. He had like an event and a bunch of people were there, including Liz Pelly, who you might oh, know. Yeah. yeah. She's like kind of famous for writing about streaming. She's like writing on a, working on a book right now. I actually had her on like an old podcast of mine, um, but she's super cool. So it was cool to like talk to her a little bit. I'd met her before, but only a little bit. So, um. Yeah, but oh, you should check out Prenny Fractions just in general, the world who is listening to this because it's a good newsletter about the music business. So I figured I'd mention that again. But <laughs> yeah, any other updates or cool things that happened lately? From to me, no. Know? I mean, the the cool thing I did was I, I was doing a, a... I wrote the music for and performed the uh, a Riot Girl soundtrack to the play of Vinegar Tom by Carol Churchill. Nice. For a run uh, over the last month in Chicago, but it just closed. That said, we're recording that soundtrack. So once we get the legality sorted out, um, I'll let y'all know and we'll, you can check that out. Yeah, and and hopefully, I don't know, there's all the stuff happening with the social medias. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, hopefully you hear this at yeah. all. <laughs> uh, hopefully you hear this uh, via Twitter or some other means, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that interested in jumping to 500 different social medias, although I do I did start a co-host. Yeah, I was thinking about starting a co-host too, but I'm just so tired. <laughs> but yeah, so next episode, duh, drum roll. What is it? <laughs> We're going to talk about Lonesome Crowded West by Modest Mouse. Yes! Oh, that's right. Oh, I'm so excited for that. And I I need to talk to him again, but we're going to have a guest, uh, Aaron. 
Aaron of Hit Factory Podcast, which is a podcast about the pop culture of the 90s. It's mostly about film. So I, fe- I feel like it was a good time. You know, we had two musicians on before, but right. now we're having an actual podcaster for, a, for a, a podcast crossover episode. The real celebrities of this modern era. Yeah. So I figured because we every once in a while do a 90s thing, like we had to try and find like a perfect era of overlap between our podcast and and their podcast so i actually had him give me a, like a huge list of of things that he was interested in covering for this episode and this is the one album that we all settled on doing so yep. i'm very excited we can actually talk about the pitchfork documentary about lonesome crowded west too because yeah i forgot about that yeah they did yeah. do that there was a period where they produced uh, a few different documentaries about famous albums, and then they just abruptly stopped doing it. Which sucks, because some of those, are, like that one in Suvlaki, were really good little docs. The Soft Bulletin one, I, I really oh, yeah. enjoyed as well. But yeah, we will, so it's a good source of information. Lots of things to talk about. So that'll be really, really fun. But yeah. I cannot wait, because that's one of my favorite albums of all, like that, if any album is going to outrank Interpol, it's going to be that one interesting okay yeah, yeah. So, i'm gonna have to come back to that album and and give my hot takes so <laughs> this will be fun it'll be fun all right uh, uh so yeah i have been your co-host liz ryerson and i have been your other co-host max cohen and i hope you've appreciated our amplified brainwaves and our condensed thoughts because it's important not to question our art. Don't. Why question my art? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Bye. It's so good. Okay. Bye. <laughs>